Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. On last week's show, I went over the picks for Barron's top 10 stocks for 2023. And for some reason, I like looking back into the past. And even in my personal life, it's mostly filled with regret and FOMO and bad choices. But hey, I'm working on it. Don't get worried about me. Anyway, if you missed last week, stop this one now and go back and listen to that one because, spoiler alert, you're going to hear the details right now. I'm waiting. Go. Hang up. Go on, get. Okay, quick review from last week's show now that we've gotten rid of the slackers. Barron chooses 10 stocks each year to be their bold picks of the year. And in case you missed 2023, it was a great year to own equities. The S&P 500 returned around 25%. And Barron's top 10 portfolio came in at an average of 31% overall. So, hey, good job, Barron's. You beat the market in a good year. To beat the S&P typically in 2023, it would have helped if you had a large portion of your portfolio in the Magnificent Seven. That is Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Tesla, NVIDIA, and Meta. To their credit, Barron's did have Amazon and Alphabet as two of their top 10 picks. And maybe that's why they beat the market by 8%. So now to the future. What will 2024 bring? Let's find out. You are listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. Okay, for the 14th year of Barron's top 10 stock list, it includes a diversified mix of familiar stocks and some surprises. Once again, leaning forward, but not exclusively to value stocks. So let's dig into the picks. Number one pick by Barron's is Alibaba Group. After dropping 18% in 2023, Alibaba's U.S.-based shares trade for just eight times projected earnings. That is very low, friends. Its current fiscal year ends in March, and with the decline, the stock has had a recent price of $72. It is back to where it stood following the 2014 IPO. 10 years ago, flat, not great for what was once held as a crazy growth company. Its market cap is less than 15% of its closest peer, which is Amazon. And I don't, listen, I'm not supposed to give commentary to the end, but I don't really think they're peers. Amazon has a crushing cloud computing business. They're almost becoming more of a tech company than they are a retailer, where Alibaba is trying to get into that space, but they are still more of a Chinese-based retailer than they are a tech giant. Moving on. This says the company sits on a mountain of cash equal to a third of its current market value of $184 billion, adding to its core Chinese e-commerce unit, its cloud computing and logistics business, and including a stake in Ant Financial. The sum of the company's parts comes to around $130 per share, which is double what it's currently trading at. Alibaba isn't risk-free According to Barron's, it delayed plans for an IPO of the software business due to the U.S. chip import restrictions, and it faces growing competitive pressures in China. But the headwinds from the Chinese government crackdown on big tech and a sluggish domestic economy are reflected in the stock, says Steve Galberth, managing partner at Kindred Capital Advisors. Personally, 
I have been watching Baba since Charlie Munger bought it a little bit ago. But in his last interview before he died, he said that buying Baba was a mistake. But when you look into that mistake, he bought it really high. Charlie paid between $115 and $225 per share. And if you look at the 13 Fs, which tell you what big companies and big investors are buying, he probably spent around $200 per share. Right now with Baba trading in the 70s, I don't know, maybe it is a buy. Will it turn around 24? My guess is yes, but I haven't bought any stock yet, so my money doesn't say yes yet. Number two on Barron's 2024 list is Alphabet, a repeat performer. Alphabet could be the best among the magnificent seven that led the market higher in 2023, says Barron's. It is expected to grow as fast as Microsoft, with earnings forecast up to 15% this year. And Apple's growth is only tuned at 5%. Yet its stock trades for 20 times its earnings, a discount compared to both Microsoft and Apple's 30 times earnings. Investors have been worried about slowing growth in Alphabet's cloud computing division. There has been this little thing about an SEC lawsuit that they just lost. However, the disappointing cloud business still grew third quarter revenue at 22%. The company was caught off guard by Microsoft's AI search, but quickly they have regrouped. Alphabet has over $100 billion of net cash as of September 30th, 2023, and the company is showing some discipline on costs, and that leaves plenty of money to buy back stock or perhaps even start paying a dividend like they were asking for last year. Alphabet could easily support a 1.5% payout in line with the current market. So here we go. I agree with Barron's. I'm just waiting to buy the dip, and the dip doesn't come. I've been selling cash-secured puts on Google for like the last nine months. I missed the good entry at $90. I kicked myself. The stock market turned around. Everybody became bullish. I should have just bought the stock then. I didn't. And I'm waiting for the dip. Now I'm trying to stick to my investing thesis and I'm selling cash secured puts on Google, hoping that it falls down to the 50-day moving average, or Lord, forgive us, if it gets to the 100-day moving average, I might sell my house and buy Google. This is not investing advice. This is just entertainment, and I won't actually sell my house. Honey, if you're listening, I'll be good. Anyway, selling cash secure puts has been good for my weekly premium, but it's been bad for my long-term investing because Google just keeps going up. So we'll see. I think this is a good purchase for Barron's, and if it ever does fall to the 50-day moving average, I Disclosure will be a buyer of Google. The number three pick for 2024 Barron's is Barrick Gold. Barrick Gold is a gold mining stock, and it hasn't been very able to keep up with gold prices. And this may be the year that changes for the miner Barrick Gold. Gold miners are thought as leverage plays on metal, yet Barrick shares are just up 3% in 2023, while gold is up more than 10%. At the time of this recording, gold is trading at $2,036 per ounce. So Bear Gold is blaming higher costs and lower than expected gold production. However, they've got some things going for them. The company has one of the world's best mines in a spot in spots like Nevada and the Dominican Republic and their top gold producer in Africa. But here is Nick Bradley's take. To believe in this stock, you have to believe in gold. And in my opinion, that isn't an area that I specifically want to be in. If I want to be in non-correlated asset classes, which I am, I invest in Bitcoin on a dollar cost average. So if you like gold, Barrick Gold might be a company you want to take a look. For me, it's a pass. 
We got another repeat performer on the list, Berkshire Hathaway. Barron says the recent death of Berkshire's vice chairman, Charlie Munger, at 99 highlights the key man risk at Berkshire. With the incomparable Warren Buffett, who is now 93, Buffett is impossible to replace, but he has positioned Berkshire to succeed without him, and the stock should do just fine without him, with him at the helm in 2024. Here's the Barron's case for Berkshire. It says that they start with CEO, who calls the Fort Knox balance sheet of Berkshire. They have $150 billion in cash, or about 20% of the company's market value. Berkshire's earnings are growing. Berkshire's after-tax operating profits are up 20%. They could hit $40 billion this year, powered by higher interest income on the crazy amount of cash, as well as a strong insurance underwriting portfolio. Again, I agree with Barron's here. In fact, Q4 of 2023, I decided to stop trying to be Warren Buffett, and I just decided to buy stock from him. So at the end of 2023, I did that. I bought some Berkshire shares, uh, the ones that are 360-some-odd dollars a share, not the A shares, which trade at over half a million dollars. Anyway, go Berkshire, and long live the Oracle of Omaha. Their next pick for 2024 is a tech stock, BioNTech. BioNTech, like all COVID-19 vaccine makers, has gotten crushed in 2023, but it has gotten crushed so much that it's actually catching the appeal of Warren Buffett, a famed value investor who follows in the footsteps of Benjamin Graham. COVID vaccine plays, including BioNTech and its partner Pfizer and competitor Moderna, have slumped and growing doubts about demand for the COVID jabs. These concerns were confirmed just at the end of 2023, as Pfizer cut its guidance for COVID-related sales, BioNTech is now trading at $100 per share, down from a peak of $447 per share in as recently as 2021. So they're losing about $100 per share per year. Not exactly a company that most people want to go running into. The bear case is that profits from COVID vaccines continue to go down, and that's very likely because... As an American, I can say many people are not getting the COVID shots anymore. But unlike, says Barron's, many cash-burning biotechs, BioNTech is expected to remain profitable in 2024, and the company's oncology-focused pipeline could prove more promising than investors believe. BioNTech has oodles of cash, more than $18 billion, and that's enough to fund their 2024 year. So they have a margin of safety. And that might be worth looking into. Barron's thinks it's worth owning. Personally, I started a watch list called Spy Duds, 2023 Spy Duds. And they were the underperforming companies, many of them with negative returns in 2023. Both Moderna and Pfizer were on this list. BioNTech might have been. I, I didn't look at it. It didn't make my specific list. I didn't make a list of every negative company, just the ones that caught my eye. Pfizer did catch my eye. They've got a lot of cash. Their COVID sales are not doing well. I haven't bought any of these stocks, but I have started selling some cash-secured puts on Pfizer because I think they've got some upside. But again, they need a good drug. That's the whole gig with the whole biotech industry. If the government says no to your drug, your stock goes plummeting. If they yes say yes to your drug, your stock goes skyrocketing. So in the meantime, I'm just going to sell some cash-secured puts and try to make weekly profit. And then if I get assigned and they get a stock that goes well, hey, maybe I'll make good money. Okay, five down and five to go. Let's take a break, stretch, do some push-ups, not necessarily if you're driving, and we'll be right back. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. All right, the number six pick for Barron's top 10 stocks to own in 2024 is Chevron. Some of the sheen came off Chevron in 2023, but the company remains one of the best-run big energy companies in the world, says Barron's. The stock at around $150 is off 16.5% in 2023, worse than any of Chevron's global super peers, including ExxonMobil, which is down only 8%. Chevron's underperformance was deserved. Two of Chevron's biggest oil fields did not do well, and investors were unimpressed with Chevron's $60 billion deal to buy Hess. I didn't know Hess was a real oil company. I buy the Hess cars for my kids every year, and I thought they were just gas stations, but apparently they are worth $60 billion, according to Chevron. Well, let's keep going. Still, the shares look expensive, despite the possibility that in 2024, earnings estimates came up short of expectations. They're not exactly selling this thing, are they? Chevron trades at 10.7 times projected earnings, and it has a 4.2% dividend yield. Greg Buckley, an analyst at Adams Funds, says that Chevron was a lower risk profile than its peers, trades at a 15% discount, has great average annual cash flow, and should have a strong yield, including buybacks. Therefore, he thinks the valuation is compelling. I can't hate the play personally. It gives asset class diversification to the portfolio, but I own both Devon Energy and Oxy Petroleum, which are direct competitors to Chevron. So as Chevron does well, I think Devon and Oxy will also do well. So I'm rooting that Chevron does well, but I'm just not going to add this particular stock to my individual portfolio. Moving on, Hertz Global Holdings. Yes, the car rental company. Hertz made a high-profile move to add tons of Teslas and electric vehicles into their lineup, and nobody wanted to rent them. Because at least in the States, it is difficult to find electronic chargers a lot of places, and the places where you can find them are always packed. And there's nothing that says, Mommy and Daddy, our vacation sucked, than sitting at an electric charger waiting to charge your rental car. However, Barron's had a favorable call on Hertz because the stock closed at $18 earlier in 2023, and then the shares dropped 50% to around $10 per share. 
basically they're thinking, I'm going to skip the rest of the article and go straight to my analysis. They are an oligopoly, like Hertz, Enterprise, and Avis. There's basically three companies almost worldwide where you're doing most of your car renting. But first of all, it's like a boring industry, which sometimes, yeah, they make money. They're losing crazy money. And I think the only reason they're making this list is because Barron's in the middle of 2023 was like, hey, Hertz could be a good buy. And then it drops 50%. And now they're like doubling down on that projection because it just looks so cheap. So if you're buying stocks and you're looking for beat down stocks with a super low PE ratio, Hertz could be for you. And I like a monopoly. That is literally a part of my like buying thesis. When I look to buy shares, I want something that has a huge moat, as Warren Buffett has taught. And monopolies and duopolies and oligopolies, they have big moats, but I don't like Hertz. Like this, basically they're buying it just because it's cheap. So if your investing thesis allows you to buy companies because they have a low price to earnings ratio, hey, maybe look at Hertz. For me, I'm not going to look at it. And surely because I'm not going to look at it, it will be their best performer and probably will do 200%. Let's move on. They've got another repeat from last year's Madison Square Gardens. And again, I'm going to skip the commentary from Barron's because we just covered it last year. But basically, the problem is this. Rich people. I know I sound like a Marxist. Rich people are always the problem. Chairman Jim Dolan told Barron's in September that the company won't entertain a sale of either team, the Knicks or the Rangers, and isn't interested in a partial sale either. That's basically the only way this stock is going to go up, I think. An analyst said that he values the stock at more than $300 per share. He says the company should sell a minority stake in the Knicks or Rangers, which their president and chairman said they won't do. But the analysis says if you're going to get to $300 per share, this is what they have to do. They have to sell a minority stake in the Knicks or the Rangers. They have to buy back a lot of stock, and they have to start paying a dividend, which I don't think the majority owner family, the Dolans, who have a controlling interest in the stock, they don't care necessarily about making money. They've got tons and tons of money. And what people with so much money care about is owning something that is cool. And owning the Knicks and owning the Rangers is cool. And owning Madison Square Garden, I don't know if this is the same group that has the cool new like sphere thing out in Vegas, but I think it that was an MSG. Like they've got so much money, they just want a huge trophy case. They don't care you as an individual shareholder making money. So I don't think that the Dolans are going to do what the Barron's analysts think they do, and therefore I am not going to be looking at buying MSG any longer. Let's get to the next pick, PepsiCo. You guys know the drug Ozempic, like helps, it's supposed to help people with diabetes, and now it's like become the hot trend for weight loss. Well, anyway, Ozempic is taking off in the Midwest where I live because there's a lot of us fat people here. And Barron's has taken notice. They say the Ozempic effect and flagging investor interest is traditional consumer staples is weighing on the stock PepsiCo. The impact from the weight loss drugs PepsiCo snack food beverage franchise will likely be minimal even after it took a chunk out of it right at the beginning. You see, PepsiCo owns more than just Pepsi. They own snack food franchise Frito-Lay, which makes Doritos, one of my favorites, Cheetos, probably my very favorite, and Lay's potato chips, okay, at a barbecue if you're bored. Frito-Lay generates more than half the company's profits, making Pepsi less dependent on sugary soda than their competitor Coca-Cola. Fears that the weight loss drugs will curb snacking caused PepsiCo's stock at $168 to drop 7% in 2023. 
However, Barron's is confident that PepsiCo will come back. The stock trades for 20 times its next year's projected earnings and below its five-year average. It has a 3% dividend yield, and it has raised its dividend 51 straight years. As for Ozempic, Barron says, its use is far from widespread, maybe a 1% of the population in 2024. They say Pepsi is the most durable company in the business, and you should rarely bet against the American eater. And I agree. If anything, I think Ozempic will end up helping PepsiCo. As fat people like myself get thinner with a magical weight loss drug, we might feel good about ourselves and start eating chips again. Pepsi has a diluted EPS growth year over year, which is one of the things I look at of negative 14%. That's not good because that's what makes me interested outside of having a oligopoly. I want to look at the diluted EPS growth year over year. Because historically, when you look at that number, you see a lot of good things happening. If that number is plus 14%, and it has been plus 14% for two, three, four, five, six, ten 10 years, the company's stock has probably matched that as well. So with Pepsi having a diluted EPS of negative 14%, I'm guessing Pepsi has a pretty tough 2024. Okay, let's end this list. Number 10 on Barron's top 10 stocks for 2024 is U-Haul Holding. Not sure if you guys have U-Haul in Australia, but they are one of the few businesses with stronger competitive position. Nobody rents more trucks like when you need to move out of your mom's basement and into your first apartment, you get a U-Haul. When you move out of that first apartment and you get your first house, you get a U-Haul. When you move out of that first house and you get a second first house, better house, you get a U-Haul. When your wife kicks you out of the house and you have to take half your junk, you get a U-Haul. U-Haul dominates the market. There are some competitors. There's Penske and there's Budget. And as someone who has moved 17 times in 18 years of marriage, I've used Budget one time. Not a great experience. I've used U-Haul the other 17 times. U-Haul is huge. They are a $12 billion company that has steadily built a sizable self-storage business as well as the trucks renting. Analysts say that if they spun off the, sor- the storage business, that alone would be worth $8 billion. There's virtually no Wall Street coverage of U-Haul. It's run like a private company by the Schoen family, which owns half the company. And the analysts say that it's hard to find such a dominant brand in such an extremely well and conservatively run business as U-Haul. He says the company would make a great acquisition for Berkshire Hathaway. Again, I like monopolies, duopolies, oligopolies. What I don't like is when one company is controlled by like half of the other company, like MSG is. But U-Haul isn't a prized possession like the Knicks or the Rangers, so maybe the Schoen family will make a wiser investor-friendly decisions. But looking at the growth on SeekingAlpha.com, which is what I use to value stocks, I also use Finance.Yahoo, but saying Yahoo out loud is kind of embarrassing. Anyway, when you look at SeekingAlpha.com, it doesn't look like they've got great results right now. Revenue is slow. Diluted EPS is negative. The only attractive thing right now to me is the PE ratio because it's low, but that's not enough for me personally to make it a buy. So I'm going to put U-Haul on the watch list because it'd be great if Berkshire bought them out. So what do you guys think? Do you have a specific way to scan stocks to have them hit your watch list or your buy list? Do you think low PE ratio is enough of a reason to buy into a company? Are you smart and you just buy the index? Are you crazy and you buy some individual stocks? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on the Facebook group. We will find out in about 11 months how Barron's did with this particular list. 
Until then, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license.